0: Okay, so on to today's topic of conversation. Now, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but I recently got married. (laughs) You you haven't heard that in a while, have you? Uh, So Thomas and Celine recently married here, congratulations guys. You didn't think I'm any less excited now than I was one year, six months, and 26 days ago when we got (laughs) married. So, very excited, very grateful to my wonderful wife, Kelly Jo. Um, she's not in the front row this morning, she's on her way to church after a 26-hour shift at, at the ICU in Ginza. What a champion. Yeah, thank you. So, one of the admittedly many things that I have learned uh, in married life is that Kelly Jo and I make decisions very differently. And I've also learned that there are a lot of decisions to make. Have you noticed how many choices we have in this world? We seem to live in a world of endless opportunity with choices and an innumerable number of options on just about anything. What to eat, what to watch, what to do, what to wear, what car to drive, where to go, where to live, which team to support. (laughs) (coughs) These, uh, These choices are are apparently endless and we're told we can do whatever our heart desires. Sometimes there are almost too many alternatives and we fall into a trap of too many choices, not actually making a decision because we're worried we might miss out if we, if we choose the wrong one. Now Kelly Jo and I, we don't watch a lot of TV, but when we do, it's the Springboks. Okay, that's the team to support tonight. No, but on a serious note, if and when we do decide to watch television, perhaps on a, on a Friday evening we decide, let's watch a movie. It takes us as long to decide which movie we're going to watch as it does to watch the actual movie. By the response, we're not the only couple like that. And if, say, on that Friday evening we decide, let's order some supper from Mr. D, Mr. Delivery, It's breakfast by the time we've decided which restaurant to order from, let alone what we're actually going to eat. We all have choices to make and decisions to take about which path we'll follow, where we're headed, which line we'll walk. Some of these are big and some of these are small. What to eat and what to watch, I'd say, are, are small decisions. And perhaps it's okay if we're a little bit indecisive about those matters. However, we also have much bigger and more meaningful choices to make. And I'm grateful my wife and I are clear and decisive on those choices. For we all are heading somewhere and we are all being led somewhere by something or someone. The question is, in these big matters, have we determined where it is we are heading and have we decided who or what it is that is leading us there? Perhaps we've never considered where it is we should actually be heading and who or what it is that should actually be leading us there. What is the way we should take and why? What is the goal or the destination? How would we like our journey to look? What is the line we should walk? Scripture tells us we are created by God in His image and created for His purpose, to walk with God in the garden and to work out His plan. That is both best for God and best for us. The way we should go is back to the garden, the place where heaven and earth meet and overlap, where God and man can walk together and work out His purpose. To determine our direction, which I am grateful my wife and I have done, is to say as Joshua did, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is the way I will go. This is the line I will walk. The problem is, Scripture and history tells us that we're not very good at that. We almost can't get back to the garden on our own. That is, we can't get back to to being in God's presence on our own. And and even if we set out to follow God, it seems like we're unable in our own strength, perhaps powerless to live out His kingdom principles on our own or in our own efforts. We don't truly represent His goodness to others and represent what it means to be the image of God. And we probably don't need Scripture and history to tell us that because our own experiences tell us that, right? Try as we might, we seem to fall short of the glory of God. Try as we might, to live right, we don't always seem to get it right when it comes to living righteously. Try as we might, we don't always show the goodness of God to others. But in a world full of choices vying for our attention, how do we define our direction? And even if we set out to follow God, how do we determine our destination when we continuously seem to fall off the track or to be lured in a different direction? When we seem incapable or powerless to do this, how do we develop our disciplines to see through our commitment to following God? How do we avoid the distractions that derail us and the easy alternatives that entice? How do we keep our focus and our minds set on God? How do we run the race of faith marked out for us with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? How do we stay the course of the narrow but often slow and arduous, bumpy path that develops our character into Christ-likeness and leads us to the top of the mountain where God and man Can meet. Jesus makes himself exclusively that way, the only way to the Father, while opening that way inclusively so that all may come to find a way to the the Father if we put our trust in Him and follow Him. Jesus is inviting us to His way, the way where He takes the lead and where we follow, where He shepherds and guides us the way beside still waters and to green pastures, the way where we are fed at His table, even in the presence of our enemies, the way through the valleys and to the top of the mountain, the way where goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our life. There are many ways to live our lives. Some are good, others not. But there is only one way that is godly, Only, only one way to God's design to be truly human, In the image of God. Only one way that leads to the meeting of heaven and earth, to the kingdom of God come here on earth. Only one way that leads to walking appropriately with God and working out his purpose. There are many ways to walk, many paths to take and roads to travel. Some may seem easy and rewarding, but only one leads to life and life in all its fullness. And only one has eternal rewards. Only one leads to the top of the mountain so that God and man can meet again. Only one way can transform us into the people who God intended us to be in His image to fulfill His eternal purposes. Jesus is that way. John 14 verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We are all on our way somewhere, being led by something or someone. Have we decided the way it is we are heading? And have we determined who or what it is that is leading us there? Have we determined that we want to head to the garden, back to the Father? And have we concluded that the one to lead us there To the Father, to walk with God in the the garden, is the good shepherd of our souls, Jesus Christ. Jesus' invitation is simultaneously both the most exclusive and inclusive statement ever. Jesus is the single way, but for all to come to the Father. He is the one way, the only way to the Father, to walk with God in the garden, to be truly human in the image of God. Jesus' invitation is graciously and generously given to all. Jesus is the way for all and the only way. The path that leads to life and the path that is full of life. So today, I'd like to look at three practical applications of following the way of Jesus for our lives. So firstly, as I've alluded to, Jesus is the way to God. Many of us, or I'm sure most of us, would have at some stage in our lives heard of the Ten Commandments. And so the Ten Commandments have the, these commands to not have any other gods before the Lord and to not make any idols for us. And that can be translated to us today as having other things or other ways which we aim for riches or rewards and other things that we put as our leader that we follow on our way. But these ultimately entangle and enslave us, becoming our masters. And they can be merciless masters. But there is one way that leads to life and leads to freedom. Consider what the prophet Isaiah wrote. He was reflecting on how the Lord had rescued and redeemed the children of Israel out of their slavery to a merciless master and set them free. And then, once they were out of that slavery, they got themselves entangled again, going down the wrong paths. The prophet Isaiah said that God would make a new way to life and to freedom, even when there seemed to be no way. So Isaiah 43 from verse 16 to 19 says, this is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, speaking of the children of Israel coming out of slavery in Egypt, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again. Extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, God says. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Jesus is our ultimate way out of slavery. The slavery that we get ourselves into. He is the eternal victor over that which has held us captive. Those things that enslave us, which become our merciless masters like Pharaoh in Egypt, are engulfed by the victory of the cross and the empty tomb, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And that part of us that tends to get ourselves enslaved again, that seems to fall short of the glory of God, that part, instead of being swallowed up by by the waters is transformed through the waters of baptism as Christ's death, burial, and resurrection becomes our salvation. What the Lord did once to get the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, Jesus Christ did once and for all, for all mankind, to get us out of our slavery to sin and to open up the way back to the Father, to be reconciled to God not having our sins count against us. What the Lord did once for for Israel, He does for us once and for all in Christ Jesus. Jesus came as the way to God when there seemed to be no way back to God. He came as the new thing God said He would do to reconcile Himself to man. Though each one of us may have chosen to turn away from God and go out of the garden, God has made a way back for us to walk with Him again. Jesus walked as a man through death and hell and made a way for us to to walk with God again. Jesus is the way back to the garden, the way to God, the way to the Father. Hebrews 12 puts it this way, Jesus is there at the right hand of God. He has made a way for man to go to God. He gave His blood That men might worship God the new way. It is God's desire for all men and women, all humanity, to come to Him, to be saved, and to come to a knowledge of the truth. No matter how far off the path we may seem, God will make a way. In fact, God has made a way through the victory of the cross and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, that we may have a way to God, a way to life and life eternal. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus, the way to God. So after Jesus reveals the way to God, He reveals to us the way to walk with God. So He's opened up the way back to the garden for us to be with God. Now He reveals how to walk appropriately with God. Our relationships with Jesus when we choose to follow Him are described in Scripture like a marriage, just like the relationship between the nation of Israel and God was described like a marriage. Now, <clears throat> I mentioned earlier that I recently got married, one year, six months, 26 days ago. <laughs> but as we, as we do when we enter into a marriage-like relationship with Jesus and as the children of Israel had to learn when they entered into their covenant or relationship with God, you have to learn the way to walk in marriage. Your bride walking down the aisle, beautiful, easy way to walk. But then, once you're married, you have to learn how to walk. Let me tell you what I mean by this. When, when I went into marriage, I had these beautiful picturesque ideas about a romantic walk on the beachfront or holding my wife as we fell asleep at night. Now, I've discovered that there is no such thing as a romantic walk on the beachfront. Kelly Joe and I, we live uh, in Humewood, just a kilometer from the beach, so we sort of hop, skip, and a jump down La Roche to the beach, as you do when you're recently married, and we go for a romantic walk at Kings Beach to the harbor wall and back. Now it starts nicely, right? You think, I'm gonna walk my, you see the pictures, until, but I'm six foot one, right? But when you're on the soft sand, you're never the same height for two steps in a row. I'm six foot one now, then I'm five foot three. Then I'm six foot one. Then I'm six foot three. And then I'm five foot four again. And poor Kelly Joe is sort of getting tossed and turned as I'm holding her hand. So we think, okay, let's move to the to the, the firmer sand, right? And then you're walking along and then a shell gets you again. And then the water's a little bit colder than you think, so you run a little bit away. There's no such thing as a romantic walk on the beach, run. Because then when you get home, The sand stays with you for longer than the memory of the walk itself. You can just never get rid of it, right? Oh, okay. I'm not the only one. And then the holding your wife when you fall asleep. Very sweet, right? Very sweet. But we were designed to breathe air, not hair. How do you breathe with your wife's hair? And cuddling makes sense, right? This hand. Ah, oh, fits nicely of your wife. But what do you do with this hat? I don't know what to do. You have to learn. You have to learn the walk of marriage. So the way to marriage is beautiful, but, but we must walk, walk, learn to walk in marriage. The same is true of our relationship. With, I'm glad my wife's not here. I'm going to get in so much trouble later. Wow. I should have got her to proofread this. Um... <clears throat> But the the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. The way to the Father, freely given through the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But our learning to walk with God takes a little bit more time and deliberate effort. After God brought the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, He had to walk with them to teach them how to no longer walk as slaves in Egypt, but to walk as children of God that, reveals, that reveal God to the world. It took the Israelites probably a little bit longer to learn to walk than it should have. Forty years is a long time to learn to walk. But if I'm honest, I'd probably have been the same in their shoes. When we're first out of slavery or first out of our slavery to sin and we're in a relationship with Jesus, we're not straight into the promised land. There's a wilderness, and and that can seem a little bit unknown and scary and barren, even if we know that God is with us. We're encouraged not to return to slavery like the Israelites wanted to, but instead to trust Jesus Christ to reveal the way for us to walk appropriately with God, for His way leads to life. The Israelites show us that we can walk our own way and ask God to come along with us, or we can walk God's way and in accept the invitation to follow him. When God says to Moses, actually, you're not walking my way. You guys go into the promised land without me. Moses says, no, 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 no. I would rather stay in the wilderness with you than go our own way without you. We're warned by the children of Israel and even some of what Jesus teaches that there is a way to walk appropriately with God. We shouldn't misuse the name of the Lord by going our own way and then saying, okay, God will come with me. Instead, we should go with God and follow Him through the narrow gate that leads to life. Psalm 1 puts it this way. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The Psalm tells us that there's a way to walk that leads to destruction, but there's a way to walk that leads to life. There is fruit, according to the Psalm, evident by the way that we walk. And we know the way to walk because Jesus has revealed it to us in His Word and the very Word become flesh. And this Psalm says, blessed is the one who meditates on His Word and on His law and takes delight in it. So we know which way to walk. And He doesn't leave us abandoned. Instead, Jesus said, He will never leave us abandoned. He gives us the helper to guide us on our way. Isaiah 30, 21 says that, whether we turn to the left or to the right, we will hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus, who invites us to follow him as the good shepherd, is continually speaking through his word and by his spirit, offering us guidance in the way to walk. Scripture tells us that the Lord will instruct us in the way that we are to go and teach us as we go. And that He will establish our steps. Not only that, Jesus came as the light of the world and He said He will light our way through His Word. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your Word is a light to my path and a lamp to my feet. His Word lights and illuminates the way we are to go, the way we are to walk, so we can see the path as well as the pitfalls. And Scripture offers us wisdom in the way we should walk. I'm going to share a proverb with you, which, when I first read it, I thought was one of the most random scriptures in the whole Bible. But I think we can see how it's applicable to us today when we look at society and the society and the world around us. It reads like this: "Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. We have a world moving boundary lines on everything. All of us, but especially the parents that I have the privilege of talking to, are trying to figure out which way to go and which way to direct our children to go. But Scripture tells us that when we raise our children in the way of the Lord, when they grow up, they will not depart from it. Walk with God and in the wisdom of the way of Jesus. Scripture says, There's nothing new under the sun and no temptation that has befallen you that is not uncommon to mankind. Technology may evolve and society may may change, but the Lord remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is wisdom in the way of walking with Jesus. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. So Jesus has revealed the way to God and then reveals to us the way to walk with God. And finally, Jesus reveals to us the wonder of God. The wonder of God is discovered as you share with others what you've received and as you light the way for them to walk and help others along their way. Scripture tells us of Jesus that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was that joy set before him? Well, it was to open the way to the Father and to reveal the way of God to others. To see the wonder of God is to share the way of God. Isaiah 52 verse 7, which for me is my favourite scripture. If I was to get a tattoo, it would be this. I don't have a tattoo. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. The beauty and the wonder of the way and path our feet take is dependent on the message we're carrying and the life we're living. God has filled you with His goodness and prepared good works in advance for you to do. The wonder of God is found in the working out of His goodness in and through you as He reveals Himself to the world. The tree of Psalm 1, which... Scripture says we become like when we walk in the way of God, directed by Jesus, produces fruit in and out of season. I don't know a lot about trees. Pastor George is the gardener. But trees do not eat their own fruit. We bear fruit so that others may taste and see that the Lord is good. And that tree in Psalm 1, it says that their leaves do not wither. There's another reference at the end of the Bible, which is really a new beginning of heaven and earth reuniting, that describes us as trees planted next to the river of, the, of, the, the river of God. And it says that trees of, the leaves of those trees carry the healing of the nations. When we, when we are planted in God, we produce fruit for others to taste and see that the Lord is good. And we carry the healing so that as we share the gospel, the way of God and the way to the Father, others can get healing through our lives. When we follow the way of Jesus and when we walk the way of Jesus, we see the wonders of God and we help others to see the wonders of God. I'm so grateful for Pastor George and for Vince and for so many here who have revealed the wonders of God to me by faithfully walking out the ways of God I'm grateful to my parents for revealing the wonders of God by faithfully raising me in the ways of God there is life to be found in the way of Jesus and we're invited to share that with others to participate and partake to get involved with where God has placed us Jeremiah 29 we all famously know Jeremiah 29 11, but that starts by saying pray for the city in which God has placed you be a blessing And if it prospers, you will prosper. And God has given us a way to reveal himself to the world, to be a blessing, to love our city, as Vince was talking about earlier, so that others can come and see God is good. Others get to see the wonder of God. Jesus is the great shepherd, and he is inviting us to follow his way to the Father, the only way to the Father. The great shepherd of our souls shows us where to walk and how to walk. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That means the paths he leads us on, even if they seem tricky and narrow and arduous at the time, he does so so that his name would be honored and glorified. The great shepherd is always with you, even when it's dark even when the road seems tough. Even when we go through the valley of the shadow of death. And there, because He is with us, we need fear, no evil. His correction and His comfort, they develop our character, develop our faith, our perseverance, our hope. And our faith then becomes mature and complete so that in Him we lack nothing. And our hope never puts us to shame. Instead, He prepares a table before, before us in the presence of of our enemies. The rewards of following the good shepherd Jesus Christ are goodness and mercy following us all the days of our lives as we head back to the garden to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus has re- has revealed himself to the world as the exclusive way to God, but the inclusive way for all to come to God, opening the way for salvation and for relationship with the Father. Jesus has shown us the way to walk with God that leads to life and life in all its fullness. And He has opened up the wonders of God, that His goodness and mercy, the life that His life that lives in us will be revealed to others to know the wonder of God. So today, as we close in prayer, I'd like to give us an opportunity to respond to the call of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, as He invites you to follow Him in your way to the Father, to follow the way to walk with God and to reveal the wonders of God to the world around you. I'm going to invite you to stand with me to pray if you're able to. As, as you stand, I'm going to remind you that there is personal prayer available up front after the service. Our trained team is here ready to receive you. There's also, if you just want a confidential prayer or praise report, you can do so over there. There's communion up front and at the back of the auditorium, a guest lounge, and starting point if you'd like to find out more about the church and, and make Father's house your home. But before all of that, just an opportunity for us to pray. So. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You have made a way for us to have relationship with You through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, thank You that You call Yourself the Good Shepherd who laid down His life for the sheep to have relationship with the Father, but also who guides us and comforts us on the way. Thank You that as we go, we may see Your wonders in all the world today we pray that you would stir up in our hearts a response to you to commit to following your way the way that leads to life the way of the good shepherd of our souls Jesus Christ